Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bob Stoffer joining you from SoCal. The Edmonton Oilers in action, second of a back-to-back tonight against the Anaheim Ducks after a huge 3-1 victory against L.A. The Oilers have won five straight. They're 10-0-1 in their last 11. They have the best points percentage in the NHL since January the 11th. Uh, their record since January 1st is 26-7-7. They're playing pretty good. And they've, uh, they're still trying to chase down Vegas. Vegas, LA, and Edmonton have three of the best records in the league, uh, over the course of about the last six weeks. Oilers now we mentioned to you is brought to you by our title sponsor, World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Uh, we will tell you that guests on the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Come in and check out their new location, 39 75 Calgary Trail. Uh, we are going to continue to work in some text on the show on the Ashley Fine Floors text line 7804960063. Get the new floors you always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. We went into game day trivia for Pro Am Sports. Our question today named the three Oilers players with two hat tricks each this season, and our winner was Brendan Escott. Andrew knew the answer. It was Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisidel, and Evander Kane. And speaking of Evander Kane, he did a private signing over at Pro-Am Sports. Uh, so if you're looking for a specialized Evander Kane stuff, Pro-Am Sports has got it uh, in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail and at proamsports.ca. All right, we're going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. The River Cree Resort and Casino open 24-7, 365. Excitement bet on it. And we welcome back to the show our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's... The best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock. No question about that. W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. And we welcome back to the show a guy that knows the numbers, Hart Levine from Puckpedia. Hello, Hart. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Well, how do you think I'm doing? How do you think the last three months have gone for the Edmonton Oilers? It's a pretty good run. Pretty impressive. Uh, and it's... We're now talking like 36 games, man. It's not like it's a 10, like, like they're 10 0 and 1 in their last 11 games. They're 11 0 and 1 in their last 12 against the Pacific. They've taken, uh, 34 out of a possible 38 games or points in their last 19 games against the Western Conference. Uh, so I, 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 and, and I know you follow the Edmonton Oilers. This should be an exciting time for Oilers fans, shouldn't it? Yeah, they're looking good. I mean, what more can you want heading into the playoffs than, you know, basically not giving up goal, very many goals and most, winning almost every game? I mean, and really, if you take the whole season, they, they, you know, they had the wobbles at the start of the year, early part, but also that a lot of that coincided where they were, they had a lot of injuries in their forward group, right? So since they've been healthy, I mean, they've been, they have a very good record the last kind of calendar year. Um, and then you add in the acquisitions that they made and they, they look really good. But I think the matchup here will be 
be really interesting to see where they finish and and who they end up having to face in the first round. I think you know if if they can get up to first place, there's a big difference playing like a Winnipeg in the first round than having to play a, a Vegas or LA. Yeah, or possibly Seattle. I mean, I, I might argue Seattle might be the easiest matchup just because sure. they haven't been there collectively as a team and their goaltending isn't as good as Winnipeg's. All right, Hart, uh, let's crunch some numbers here. Uh, it, it, and You look at the trade deadline and the labyrinth of moves that the Edmontoners made. They got a break. Carolina Hurricanes did not get Timo Meyer, So the Hurricanes took Jessa Pugliarvi's full cap hit. Uh, basically... Uh, for a prospect, and I don't even know if the orders are ultimately going to sign said prospect. I guess time will tell in that regard. Uh, but that created $3 million in cap space for the Edmonton Oilers. By the way, Paul Yarby has played 12 games for Carolina. He's got one assist. He's uh, basically playing at an even rate. So he's had a tough go after two pretty good seasons at Edmonton with 15 and 14 goals. We wish him the best of luck. So that happened. That created the cap space, and then the Oilers made the deal and sent Tyson Berry back. And the 4% retained on Matthias Ekholm, how critical was that from a cap perspective in terms of how they were able to finagle uh, Nick Bukestad out of the Arizona Coyotes? Yeah, I mean, well, that, that 250 of space, uh, or the 250 retained was exactly what they needed to bring in Nick Bukestad at 50% um, at a 450 cap hit. And, you know, ever since the trade deadline, the Oilers have had exactly $0 of cap space, right? So... I mean, if they had not retained anything, um, you know, they'd have one less guy on the roster or they couldn't get Bukestad. So, it, you know, clearly they had a plan of whether it was, you know, Bukestad or someone like that or some other moves that they knew that that 250 would come in handy. Um, and, yeah, that, that's allowed them to carry 22 guys since the deadline. Um, you know, definitely they could have – they had some more cap space if they, if they needed, like if they would have dropped down to 20 or 21 guys. Um, like they, they, they carried at different point, points in the season. But I think, you know, considering they wanted to get their group together and not have to play shorthanded, you know, potentially important games, um, you know, having 21, 22 guys on the roster allows for some little short-term injuries like they've had and uh, and kind of have that team together going to the playoffs. So the, the, numbers, the numbers made sense and how they made it work. And I think um, – you know, Tyson Berry going out, they needed his cap hit to go out. Um, that, that allowed the deal to happen, but it, there's some unintended consequences potentially, or maybe intended consequences with how that impacts Evan Bouchard um, ever since the trade. We're going to go next. Uh, so explain the A bonuses for Evan Bouchard and how many he got last season after getting a 12-goal, 43-point season, because lo and behold, Bouchard's got 15 points in 18 games since the Edmonton Oilers, or 17 games since the Edmonton Oilers acquired Matias Eckholm. Yeah, so um, players on entry-level deals are eligible for performance bonuses, um, and they don't have to have them, but it, it, it's something that can be in the contract, and they're called A bonuses. Um, and Evan Bouchard, his contract calls for the maximum possible, which is 850000 total, and each one that's earned is worth $212,500. Um, so there's kind of like a menu of potential bonuses that players can earn. Um, the, uh, before the trade, uh, the only one that he was sort of on track for this season, because it was a bit of a down season for him, was for hitting 25 assists. You know, he looked like he was tracking towards that. Since the trade deadline, you know, he's obviously hit that. So that so he's already earned 212500 for that. Um, the other one that he was not in line for was for being in the top four in defenseman uh, time on ice, either total minutes or per game. He was behind Kulak. He was in fifth. 
And, you know, his his minutes have gone way up. Kulak's have gone way down with, you know, with Barry out and Ekholm in. And he's already passed uh, Kulak. So, yeah, I think we can mark that one down um, as as achieved as well. So now he's already at 425 and bonuses earned. The next two that he potentially could get, those will be really interesting to watch. He's got 36 points so far. He would hit another two two twelve and a half if he got to 40 points. Um, and then the last one he could potentially get is if he averages 0.49 points per game. And so, you know, assuming he's, he plays all the remaining games, that would he would need to get to 41 points to hit that. So if he gets to 40, there's another 212,000 212, and a half. Um, and then another point after that, 41, would be another 212.5. So we could be looking at, I mean, we're already at 425. And we, he could be getting all the way to 850,000 in bonuses. And because the Oilers are finishing over the cap this season due to using LTIR, any bonuses earned are going to be a carryover uh, overage cap it for the following season. So we know right now the Oilers cap space next season is already reduced by the 425. If he gets to 41 points, it's going to be reduced by the 850. So that has a pretty significant impact um, on their cap for next season. And then the other part to, to talk or to think about too is the, uh, obviously the increase in production since the trade. What does that mean for his next contract? So I think in a lot of ways, yes. you know, the, they got Ekholm. They, you know, obviously the 250,000 retained. But moving out Barry, it's, it's certainly going to cost them more on the cap next year, both in bonuses and on Bouchard's next contract. Yeah, it's like I, I, I think you know how I feel about Evan. Um, people say Starfer you do this all the time you're bringing up names that nobody remembers you know Connor Bedard and I see a lot of Marcel Dion and Connor Bedard Marcel Dion had 1700 points in the NHL he had 10 40 goal seasons he was you know Guy Lafleur was my favorite player of that era Marcel Dion was a more productive player than Guy Lafleur for longer in his career he just didn't play on one of the greatest teams in NHL history like he did. Uh, so that's the comparable on Bedard. And the guy that I compare Evan Bouchard to, and I don't know Dave Tippett used to agree with me on this, was Larry Murphy. Well, Larry Murphy had damn near 1,200 points in his NHL career. <laughs> he played a long time. <laughs> he played 1,600 games in the league. Yeah. And, you know, sort of a deceptive... He didn't look like the quickest guy on the ice, but his you know his brains did the work, and the geniuses in Toronto, I call them the five percenters. Uh, it's the the loud five percent of the fan base that use five percent of their brains. Um, you know, Larry Murphy was a six foot two, two hundred and ten pound defenseman, just like Bouchard. Larry Murphy, for the record, played sixteen hundred games in the NHL and had twelve hundred points. The only difference between Bouchard and uh, Murphy is that Murphy got rolling right away. Like, you know, it's different because he got drafted as a 20-year-old and came in the NHL at 20 after being the fourth overall pick in L.A. Uh, back in 1980. I, I, I think Bouchard, if he ends up being the guy that runs the Oilers' power play, with as good as this power play is, and we know how good it is, realistically hard, it would not surprise me if he had a 60-point season next year. And Larry Murphy had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven sixty-point seasons in the NHL and played over twenty seasons in the league. Uh, But I could—would you disagree that that Bouchard could be capable of a sixty-point year with the way he moves the puck? 
I think definitely. I mean, you look like last year, 43 points, and he, you know, took some turns out of the first unit power play, but was mostly the second unit guy. And this season, I, I, I think like during, before the trade, he played a little less on the first unit power play than the year before. And he's only taken over, you know, in the last 15 games, with, you know, 20 games, and he's going to finish, you know, around 40 points. So I, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. And, you know, he does score pretty well five on five as well. Like he, you know, makes that good first pass, gets a lot of five on five points. So, I, I think 60 points is pretty, yeah, I don't think that's an outlandish um, prediction at all for him. What make, have you, have you had a chance to look at any potential comparables for Bouchard? Yeah, well, just taking a quick look at it. I mean, w- one guy I think he's always going to be linked to just because they were drafted close together as well was Noah Dobson. Um, you know, and so last year he had a coming off a 51 point season and he signed three years, four million, right? Um, so you would think Bouchard's going to be a little bit below that, um, in terms of production. So he should sign for a little bit below four. But I think if you look at some other contracts from the year before, like, uh, you know, Vince Dunn, the deal that he's on right now was two times four. Um, and Bouchard will score a little bit better than him through through this contract uh, point in Dunn's career. And uh, Philip Hironik, um, you know, recently traded, he was at uh, three times 4.4. Um, and he was just a little bit under. So I, I think that puts Bouchard, you know, kind of a quick look. He's probably around the $4 million range on a three-year deal. If they go shorter than that, you know, it's going to be less because this year, this this first um, year uh, on the deal, is, he does not have arbitration rights. So, you know, if, if it's a two-year deal and half of those, those years are non-arbitration rates uh, years, that would definitely reduce the, the cost. But on a three-year deal, I think he's going to be in and around four. Um, but I think that's a big change for him. Again, before the deadline, where he was trending, I mean, I think he's look, he was looking – a guy like Adam Boakvist signed, he was, uh, you know, a point four two uh, points per game uh, last year, and then he signed for uh, three times 2.6. So I think you're thinking, you know, if Bouchard was on the path he was on before, he was probably in the low threes on a, on a three-year deal. And I think this run here of, you know, 50, uh, 20 games post-deadline, getting him back to basically what he did last year of half a point per game, um, I, I think that's bumping him up, you know, potentially 750 up to a million bucks per year uh, cap hit um, on a three-year deal. So it'll be interesting to see if they can make that work or if they have to go shorter on like a one- or two-year deal. But to your point earlier, you know, if they go one or two years and he puts up one or two 60-point seasons and he has arbitration rates close to UFA, then they're really, really going to pay. And, you know, we saw that, not that Nurse put oh, up yeah. those kind of numbers, but you saw what happened with Nurse where you keep bridging and bridging him and then you get to UFA and you don't want to lose him. So, um, you know, I think it would definitely be in the Oilers' best interest to, to make the make other moves that they need to in order to get Bouchard to at least a three-year deal. I mean, I, I don't think it's possible to get him signed up, you know, to, to cover UFA years. Um but I think signing a one- or two-year deal, it's going to come with a lot of pain um, on the next contract. I tend to agree. And if I'm Jeff Jackson, I'm smiling like a butcher's jaw, uh, dog right now because this is this has worked out brilliantly for, for Evan and for uh, his client. Uh, now, Evan Bouchard was part of a 2018 draft class with the Edmonton Oilers. There was another guy with that, Ryan McLeod. And I think it's fair to say... He did the Oilers a solid this year, taking the deal that he did. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, not like he didn't take millions of dollars off, but I think a one-year fair one-year deal for him was probably like you know just under a million, um, and he signed for seven ninety-five, right? So he took a you know 
couple hundred grand discount. Um, I think he would have liked to go multi-year, uh, which probably would have put him based on last year would have put him, you know, low to mid uh, $1 million range. So yeah, he definitely took a, you know, again, probably a couple hundred thousand dollars off on a, on a one-year deal. Um, I think for him this year, I mean, the injuries have, have played a big part in it, right? And I think that's going to keep his value down um, potentially. Now he has arbitration rights. Um, so the question, though, is do they go for another really short-term deal or do they try and lock him up longer where he hasn't really put up the big, big numbers? I mean, again, most organizations, uh, when they got a young player like this, uh, and he hasn't put up huge numbers, but they believe that he's a part of the future, this is where you sign him to uh, – you know, maybe not a, a six or seven year deal, but at least, um, you know, four or five year deal or, or buy up as many years as you can. Um, but again, with their tight cap situation, you wonder, will they have to punt on him again and, and do another one, one or two year deal and, and see how much he develops. And speaking of the cap, Hart Levine from Puckpedia. Hart, what are you hearing on that? Uh, are we looking at a marginal increase again? Well, you know, I was hearing a couple months ago when, you know, the Marty Walsh was rumored to be the guy, but, uh, you know, hadn't gotten the job officially yet or anything. I was hearing a lot of optimism from agents, especially that there was a deal that would, would be made to get to about a three, three and a half million dollar uh, cap increase to sort of smooth things out. But you've seen a lot of the reporting, um, both from uh, Gary Bettman's comments and then Marty Walsh's press conference. And now there's not as much optimism, you know. So definitely, you know, we're guaranteed a million dollars. But there's less optimism on can a deal be done uh, from both sides. I mean, I, I, you know, as a neutral observer, you think it makes sense for both sides. Let's increase the cap a little bit and not have such a giant cap hit in two years when the escrow debt stayed off. We saw in the NBA several years ago after a new TV deal, the cap jumped so much, it led to a kind of a really crazy offseason with contracts that didn't make a lot of sense and most of those guys having to get bought out you know, within one or two years. Um, I, I think, uh, and, and the new NBA deal that's just um, you know, being hammered out, there's like limits on how much the cap can increase per year because they have a new TV deal coming up again in a couple of years. They don't want to see that. I do think if they go one million this year and it drops, it jumps, you know, six seven the next year, that 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 kind of messes up the system a little bit. It it makes it makes it hard to to manage. And I think, you know, we've had such a flat cap, it would it would make things a lot better to have a little bit of smoothing. So. I think the three three and a half million dollar increase next year in negotiation is probably less likely. Can we get to maybe where it's two million or two and a half? I think that's probably the best hope for for fans looking to see a little bit more action. And you know, from what I'm hearing, that's maybe uh, you know put it at a twenty five percent chance of of working out. You got characters like characters that never negotiated with each other, right? And it's a lot. I think a lot of it's going to be you know some egos and who how, how does this first showdown work and that's unfortunate because it doesn't necessarily need to be a showdown or a negotiation and it could just be a mutual benefit mutually beneficial thing but i think the history of the nhl and the nhlpa is they don't usually see things that way one final one for you how easy is it for the edmonton letters to call up dylan holloway at the start of the playoffs um oh yeah they can call him up there's no salary cap in the playoffs so um they can call him up yeah i'm there, there would be no problem at all. Awesome. Hart, how do people follow you? Follow on Twitter at Puckpedia and go to the website puckpedia.com. Appreciate you giving us some time. Thanks a lot, Hart. Thanks. Appreciate it.
You bet. That's Hart Levine from Puckpedia. Bob Stoffer with you, 124 in Edmonton. We're in Anaheim. We're going to get Eric Stevens coming up from the Athletic at 135 today. When we come back, uh, we'll get to the Oilers Now injury report. Uh, you're listening to Oilers Now live from Anaheim. He was the man that drove it last night for the Oilers. A goal and two assists up to a 13-game point streak. 51 goals on the season. 31 power play goals. That is third all-time. That's Leon Dreisaitl. This is Bob Stauffer joining you from Anaheim. It's 128 in Edmonton. Brennan Escott's back at the 630 Chet Studios. Uh, you can start your new vehicle journey at Brent Ridge Ford, the dealer that doesn't forget about you after you purchase. If you value fair treatment and full transparency, call Uncle Melt Rich, Johnny, and the gang. 780-352-6048-12 time presence diamond club award winners for customer satisfaction brent rich ford is your ford truck authority on the auto mile out in Wetaskiwin. i know we're gonna cam moon and myself are gonna head out there at some point during the playoffs and do an event out there great people uh you can trust them we head off to uh, the Oilers Now Injury Report, brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown talking about a great player. Um, probably the best football player at the University of Alberta Golden Bears program over the last 40 years. Two-time CFL All-Star, won a great cup with the then-named Edmonton Eskimos. James H. Brown, proud supporters of the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Elks and the Alberta Golden Bears. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, Ryan McLeod. Not quite ready to come back. I, I think uh, for sure he plays against San Jose in Edmonton on Fan Appreciation Night, uh, which will be a week from tomorrow. Ryan Murray's on the trip as well. He's been out for a while. His, his return is not imminent. He's had a back challenge for Anaheim, and it's been a big loss. Jimmy Drysdale's only played eight games all season. He's represented by Jeff Jackson, the same guy that's got uh, Evan Bouchard and Connor McDavid. Uh, Drysdale has uh, had shoulder surgery, uh, hip surgery for uh, Earl Vakaninen, who they got in the trade for Hampus Lindholm. And Anthony Stollers, who had a cup of coffee with the Oilers, is shut down for the year with knee surgery. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kelburn. And when we come back, we'll get a, a Ducks and Kings perspective. He covers them both from the athletic Eric Stevens.